0: Have your Bibles turned to Ezekiel chapter 37. Ezekiel 37 is a familiar passage. Well, it's a familiar story uh, and one that uh, maybe you grew up singing songs about, but uh, you might not recognize Ezekiel 37 as the passage, but once we look at it, you'll, you'll recognize it. Today, we're going to consider uh, really one of the greatest epidemics in our world culture, in our life, in our nation, and in our world, we're going to consider one of the greatest epidemics in our church, and that is the epidemic of hopelessness. We understand what hopelessness feels like. But do we also understand the solution to hopelessness? Now, look, I know that many here, and, and, and y'all, y'all are here, and many are here who are half empty, glass half empty kind of people. Now, I don't say that as a ridicule. I don't. I need glass half empty people in my life. I really do. I, I, I need them in my life because I am a glass all the way full kind of guy. And that's not always realistic. Am I right? I mean, sometimes the glass is half empty. And, and, and when I see half empty, I see all the way full. So, so I, I'm, not, I'm not ridiculing or demeaning half empty uh, perspective people. I'm just saying that if you are that, then, then perhaps you struggle with a sense of hopelessness more than others do. Now, I'm not talking about uh, a hopelessness that is Um, Oh, you know, I can't believe, I mean, for some of you, if Hillary Clinton would have been elected president, then it's a hopeless situation. I am saying that in a bad way. Just because Hillary Clinton got elected, uh, would have gotten elected, doesn't make anything more hopeless than it is already. Because our hope or our hopelessness has zero to do with who's in the White House. I want you all to hear this. OK? And some of you believe that, uh, that there is a little crack in the fissures of hell itself that is cracked open because Donald Trump got elected. And it is hopeless. I heard that, uh-huh. And I'm telling you, it's not, because our hope is not built or tied to who's in the pre- president, White House. I want to understand. how how that the church should have hope regardless of the circumstances. Listen, we need to understand that the majority of church history for the first 300 years was a body of believers that had hope in spite of being tortured, murdered, maimed, and killed. And they were still half full kind of people when it came to their future. And the church today acts like all the wheels are going to come off because of political machinery or because of, of economic uncertainty or because of uh, somebody making a rule somewhere that if we say Jesus uh, in public, that we're gonna get fined $50. And I think that's a bad, I don't know that that's a rule, but if that were to happen, I mean, we would have all kinds of, of, oh, the sky is falling kind of things. Listen, when they start chopping off limbs, then we're in a bad situation. When they say ugly things to us because we believe in Jesus and follow Him and speak strongly to, about Him, That's not hopeless. That's just people not agreeing with us. Our hope is not built on how much people enjoy our company. Today, as a church, I know that we have people in this room, and and hopelessness has captured your heart. You're struggling. And my prayer for you is that you would dive into the pool of hope and be renewed today. But bigger than just the church, I mean, this this world, this nation, do you realize? Recent uh, surveys tell us that only one out of five people in the United States feel hopeful about the future only 1 in 5 feel hopeful about the future you look in the culture of our world and the place where you work and the people you meet and 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 we encounter people who are swirling in their own sea of doubt and and living in the in in in, in the in, in the landmines of, of, of despair and difficulty, and, and they don't see hope. So today, I want us to see how that we can taste hope as followers of Jesus, but also how that we must be a herald of hope to those who don't know Jesus. That really is what God was doing when he called up Ezekiel and, and he took him to the valley Of dry bones. Let's read together. Ezekiel chapter 37, beginning verse 1. Ezekiel is writing and he says, "...the hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out in the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. Then the Lord caused me to pass by them all around, and behold, there were very many uh, bones in the open valley, and indeed they were very dry." And the Lord said to me, "'Son of man, can these bones live?' And I answered and said, "'O Lord God, you know.'" Again, the Lord said to me, "'Prophesy to these bones, and say to them, "'O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord.'" Thus says the Lord God to these bones, "'Surely I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live, and I will put sinews on you, and bring flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. Then you shall know that the Lord, that I am the Lord.'" So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as as I prophesied, there was a noise and suddenly a a rattling, and bones came together, bone to bone. Indeed, as I looked, the sinews and the flesh came upon them and the skin covered over them. uh, But there was no breath in them. Verse 9 And so the Lord said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath. And breathe on these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And breath came into them and they lived and they stood upon their feet an exceedingly great army. Then the Lord said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say, our bones are dry. Our hope is lost and we are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up from your graves, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up from your graves. I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. In this passage, we have this remarkable vision Uh, that God gives uh, Ezekiel where he sees a valley filled with dead, dry, brittle bones. And God commands Ezekiel to preach to the bones the word of the Lord, to speak to those bones the word of the Lord. And God in his great power takes the dead, dry, brittle, boned bones uh, brittle bones there and, and connects them sinew to sinew. And, 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 and they, 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 they are, they're walking around and, and, and like zombies, they, they, and literally it's a picture of zombies walking dead tonight at nine o'clock. It's, it's, <laughs> they, it, I mean, very similar. It's that they're walking around, but they don't have any life in them. They don't have any life at all. And so God says to Ezekiel, he says, now preach, speak to the wind and call forth from the four winds, the very breath or the ruach, the spirit of God to be poured into those bones so that they may live. And so, so here Ezekiel is doing his preaching ministry. One guy said that, that the first part of the preaching ministry was similar to what he'd always been doing. He's just speaking to a bunch of dead bones. Somebody else said that, not me. I would never say anything so crude as that. But the second part of his preaching ministry was preaching, uh, was was, uh, almost like a prayer where he's praying for the Spirit of God to fill those dry bones and give them life. And so amazingly, here is this miraculous vision where dead bones come alive. Then verses 11 through 14, uh, God says to his eagle, he says, now, here's the story that I'm telling. This is the house of Israel and they're dead, but I can make them alive. There's hope. For the children of Israel, they were living in dead zone kind of circumstances. Uh, they, they, They couldn't see hope. And the reason they couldn't see hope is because everything had turned on its head. Everything had turned out bad. Do you know, have you ever been there? Where everything seems stinky. Everything seems seems miserable. There's, there's nothing good that's happening. Here's the children of Israel. They, they were overwhelmed by a foreign power named Babylon. And, and Babylon came, swooped down upon Israel and, and conquered Israel and destroyed Jerusalem and took captives away and killed people. And, and now uh, Israel is sitting in the ashes of that conquering army and 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 they look around and family's gone or family's dead and 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 they they look toward the future and they don't have any hope toward the future and they say woe is me life is bad and that's the children of israel and so ezekiel comes and he says hey god says there's hope you're here today and you're living in the dismal swamp of your own despair, swirling in circumstances that are bigger than your own ability or resources to navigate or manage. And God says to you, hey, you, there's hope. You can have hope today. But before we get to the hope. I want to get to the hub. I uh, get to the By the way, can I tell you as a follower of Jesus today you and I are, are here and we are a people who should be uh, uh, lathered up in hope. We should have hope just oozing from the pores of our being. We should have hope that wakes us up in the morning, carries us through the day, puts us to bed at night. We are a people of hope, and it's a hope that's built not upon what we can do or navigate or manage. It's a hope that that is not tied to our circumstances. It's not tethered to our pain or no pain. It is a hope that is built upon Jesus Christ who died on a cross for me, who was buried in the ground, and who was raised again on the third day, we have a hope that's built that that is upon a resurrection from the dead so that no matter what we face, no matter how many graves that that we may be thrown into, we know that there is victory. We know that there is uh, peace. We know that there is comfort. We know that there is hope because our King whom we follow has been raised from the dead and we live in that resurrection power. Now, why in the world are we acting like we have no hope if indeed we're followers of Jesus? I mean, I get it. I was talking to a couple as they were coming in uh, uh, before this 11 o'clock service, and they wanted to share an update. They, uh, the, this sweet saint of a lady has struggled through uh, three battles with cancer, three of them. And she said to me, I mean, I was walking up to her, and she said, I am so filled with the Spirit of God that I've faced these three battles with cancer and God has given me victory over each one. Her attitude, her husband's attitude was an attitude of hope and victory, not because chemo is fun, not because cancer isn't scary, but because they know whom has given them the hope. Their hope is tied to Jesus Christ who raises the dead? So today, I want to I get there. Kind of got there. But I'm going to back up now because I want to know why it is we in the church, as followers of Jesus, don't have hope. Why do we live hopeless lives? Why is it that we, as followers of Jesus, suffer in the epidemic of hopelessness? Can, can, I, can I just take us for a journey here through the Valley of Dry Bones with Ezekiel? See, if you look at Ezekiel 36, and I think verse 27, Ezekiel 36, verse 27, I I think we verse 17, we see that, that Ezekiel wanted, and God wanted the children of Israel to understand why they were in bad circumstances. So Ezekiel 36, verse 17, son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own ways and deeds. Now, that is shorthand for saying they did it their way, not God's way. Can, can, I, can I make a humble suggestion? If you're a follower of Jesus and you are living in, in hopelessness and despair, could I suggest that perhaps it's because you're doing it your way and not God's way? I I mean, I understand. I understand when things are bad and circumstances are are just overwhelming. I get that. I really do. But nine times out of ten in Scripture, when somebody who is part of God's family is losing hope, nine times out of ten in Scripture, it's not because the circumstances are so bad, it's because they have been rebellious against God. You're a follower of Jesus and you're hopeless. That's the that that's the character trait that you carry around you're hopeless Might I humbly suggest that it 's because you 're doing it your way and not god 's way, because you it 's because you have a rebellious heart against God because you have exalted your own desires above what God desires, because you 've decided that your emotions are more important than god 's word where you 've decided that that your way of looking at life is better than god 's truth about life where where you have decided that your interpretation of, of, of current events or, or circumstances or people 's emotions or even your your interpretation of other people's thoughts, not their actions, just their thoughts, where you've determined that your interpretation of all those things is more important than what God in His Word tells us and teaches us to do uh, uh, in relation to one another, in relation to the world, in relation uh, to, to life itself, we we, we decide that, that we're more important than God. Now, we don't say it that way, but that's exactly what we do every time we decide that there's a point of pride in us that is not going to bend to what God says, what God wants. The reason the children of Israel were being overcome by Babylon was because of their rebellious heart. You realize that? They they weren't being overcome by Babylon because they'd been all good and stuff. It's because they had... Swam, swam, swim, swam, swam, swimmed. They had taken a dip in the pool of. (laughs) They had taken a dip in the pool of rebellion over and over and over again. And then this bad stuff happened and they lived hopelessly. You want to taste hope as a follower of Jesus? Will you ask the Spirit of God to pinpoint any point of pride in your life that you will not bend to the will of God? Will you ask the Spirit of God to adjust your thinking, your speaking, your behaving so that it fits what God has given in His Word for you and for me to do? By the way, that's absolute. That's not, that doesn't bend with time or my feelings or my emotions. If God's Word says it, that settles it, eh, right? I mean, that's just the way it is. And, and, and I know that may seem old-fashioned, but it's really not old-fashioned. It's, it, it's, it's as old as the Bible itself and followers of Jesus who have read the Bible. Today, if you're feeling hopeless Could it be that it's because you're stiff-arming God and you're not willing to change that? I know it's easier to blame a circumstance. It's easier for us to point outward and say, well, the reason I'm hopeless is because of that person. I understand that. That's, That's easier. But you're a follower of Jesus Christ indwelt by the Spirit of God. I do believe that probably hopelessness springs from my own rebellion rather than somebody else's action. So take the time. Oh, by the way, do you know enduring hope is not tethered to circumstances or the actions of others? Enduring hope is tethered to the promises of God who never breaks His promise. You want to tether your your life and uh, to the promises of God who never breaks his promise, that means that you're going to follow him. You're going to be obedient to him. Well, as we look at what robs us of hope as followers of Jesus, then then we begin to understand. See, the children of Israel, they were robbed of hope. They were living in hopelessness, but that was because of their rebellious heart. And so now God was leading them and saying, okay, you've been rebellious, but I'm going to make those dead bones live again. I'm going to return hope into your life. I'm going to give you hope today. I'm going to pour into you hope. Life itself. You feel dead, you're not dead. And there's no circumstance that you face that is bigger than what God's power can do. You belong to Him. and Guys, He'll do a lot to wake you up and to help you out. When you belong to God, He'll do a lot to wake you up. That's sometimes bringing a foreign power on top of your head. To wake you up. Sometimes that means losing a job to wake you up. Sometimes that means losing resources. Sometimes that means even personal frailty or sickness. God will go to great lengths to wake His people up. But when you wake up, He'll go to even greater lengths to help you out and give you hope. That's what God does. That's who he is for his people. But as we look at that, I I just want to kind of, and we're about to close, so I just want to close with this thought. The reason I have hope today, and the reason you have hope today as a follower of Jesus, is because there was some herald of hope that came to you initially. You see, those who live without God, are living without hope, and they have no hope for hope. Let me say that again because that's pretty good. Now, I hadn't said that in any other service, so I thought that was pretty good. I, mean, you, Leon, I just thought that was pretty good. That's good. All right. So, so uh, those who are far from God are living without hope because they're living without God, and there's no hope for hope. I said it better the first time. Anyway. Susan, will you put that on Facebook somewhere? Okay, thank you. Listen, the people you work with, the people at your school, the people down the street, people you talk to every day, if they don't have God, then they don't have hope. And they have no hope for hope apart from God. And that's the way we were, right? I mean, we, we, I, I, was, I was raised in the church. I was born in the church. I was a Baptist preacher's kid. I'm a Southern Baptist preacher. I've been a Southern Baptist all my life. That makes me especially qualified to talk in a snark, snarky kind of way about Southern Baptists. But the truth is, I understand what it means to be a religious man a religious person. I've been religious all my life. I'm not saying that's good. I'm just saying that's the way I've been. I was raised in a religious setting, doing religious things, but that did not make me a follower of Jesus. My religious devotion didn't happen because I was born a Baptist. My religious devotion did not earn me a way into heaven I didn't enter into God's family until I, by faith, received the wondrous grace of a living God that shatters the chain and the guilt of my sin and gives me life. So here I am, I'm doing all the church things and and going to Sunday morning church and Sunday school and checking all the boxes I'm supposed to check, but I am living without hope because I'm living without God. I'm attending church but I'm living without hope because I'm living without God. I'm going to school. I'm living without hope. I'm living without God. I'm the preacher's kid. I'm living without hope because I'm living without God. I got dunked in a tub, and I was still living without hope because I was living without God. I was far from God, and I needed something to give me hope. I needed someone to give me life. And then came a herald. A herald of hope came my way and said to me in many different ways on many different occasions Eric, your problem is that you are trading your religion for a relationship. With God. You are banking your relationship with God on how well you perform, and it's all about what God has done for us in the person of Jesus. He told me, Eric, you are dead on the inside because of your sin, but God in his grace sent Jesus to take that death off you by dying on a cross in your place. And he has been raised from the dead so that you might have new life through faith in him. So, Eric, instead of trying to to be religious let go your religion and take hold of Jesus and trust in him believe in him and you will have life and once you get high life you will have hope and that's what I did the herald of hope came to me in the valley of dry bones and God began to shake and quake in my life and bring me together And then he poured his spirit in me, and it made me alive. And I've been living ever since. That's because a herald of hope came my way. You're here today as a follower of Jesus, and God in his great grace has given you hope, and you have the opportunity for hope right now. You can live in that hope. You to live in the power of that hope as a follower of Jesus, but there are people who are still in the valley of dry bones. And God wants to send you their way. You look in in verse 2, it says that, verse 1 and 2, it says that that God picked Ezekiel up and took him to a valley of dry bones. Verse 2 says that he was walking around that valley. Now, let me tell you something about Ezekiel. Ezekiel was not only a prophet, he was also a priest. And in Leviticus chapter 21, verse 11, it says that if there's a priest that gets around anything that is dead, like a valley of dry bones, then he is ritually unclean. He is impure. He is in trouble. He is uncomfortable. So Ezekiel, picked up by God, taken to a valley of dry bones, and he has to wander around that valley of dry bones. Why? So that he might be a herald to those who needed a herald. So often we spend all our time hanging around people that have already been made alive, ignoring the people who are living a zombie-like existence. You've received hope, so be a herald of hope by going to the Valley of Dry Bones. Sometimes you've got to go to the smoking section to do what God wants you to do. Sometimes we get so dignified that we forget that sometimes you got to get in the slop in order to talk to people who are living in the slop. I'm not saying we become sloppy. I'm just saying you got to go where people are. You got to invest in their lives. You got to Show them the hope that is in you. Are you showing hope to others? you got to go to the Valley of Dry Bones. You're a herald of hope. You have been given hope, so be a herald. You're going to be a herald when you go to the Valley of Dry Bones. Stop spending all your time. Look, I crave opportunities to hang out with people who don't know Jesus. I crave those opportunities. Why? Because I spend so much of my time with people who know Jesus. And it, well, it just, it wears me out. (laughs) That's a joke, sort of. When we go to the valley of dry bones, there's something else. It says, See, Ezekiel, God said, I want you to go to the valley of dry bones. I want you to prophesy. I want you to speak the word of the Lord to them. And, and, and in two different places in verse 7 uh, and verse, verse 9, he says, and, and, I, and I spoke, I preached, I prophesied as the Lord commanded. Now, i got to tell you something. It's not enough for us just to go to the valley of dry bones. we got to speak the word of the Lord. You, you have been a herald. You've been commissioned as an ambassador in God's army. This is who you are. Verse 10 of chapter 37 it says, When all the bones are made alive and brought together, there is an exceedingly great army. Look, we are that army. We've been made alive. We've been brought together. We've been made the army of the Lord in service to the king so that we might be an ambassador of hope to those who are living in the darkness and the nastiness and the swill of sin and death and decay. We're called to go to where they are. But as we go to where they are, we're called to speak the word of the Lord. What is the word of the Lord? The word is simply this. Look. You're far from God, you're without hope. That's Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11, that, that, that people who are far from God, and people who, are, who, who, who don't know Jesus, are living without God and without hope in this world. That's Ephesians 2:11. So the, the, the word that we share is, hey, listen, you're living a hopeless life because you are far from God. And without God, there's not ever going to be any hope. Without God, there's not ever going to be any life. You are far from God. Now, verse Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, it says, but but those who once were far from God have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. So here, here's the word we share to someone in, in the valley of dry bones. Hey, listen, dead bones. You feel dead inside, you need life. You need hope. You're not going to find hope any other place than in relationship with God. You are far from God. You are without hope. But Jesus came to give you life. Jesus came to die in your place upon a cross to pay the penalty for your sin so that you might be forgiven forever. To be buried in a ground raised from the dead to new life so that you might experience new life to pour the Spirit of God within you so that you might live in immediate intimacy with the living God. Hey, dead bones, you can live. Some of you have been working with the same people for two decades and you've never said anything about Jesus in a meaningful way that would lead them to have hope in Christ. Guys, that's got to change. Change folks you go to school with, people people that you see all the time, you'll you'll spend hours and hours uh, texting somebody or Snapchatting somebody or or whatever other device program thingy you use. And you tell them all about your life and, and you get in all your fields and you do all those things, but you never, ever, ever say anything about how That friend who is far from God can find life and hope in Jesus. It's time to speak up. It's time for us to talk. We'll talk about how South Carolina was robbed last night or how North Carolina didn't deserve to win. We'll talk about... um, Uh, the the state of of, of politics and we'll talk about the the weather and we'll talk about everything but the one thing that that makes all the difference in our life the fact that I have hope in Jesus Christ we never say anything it's time to speak we'll defend our rights to do whatever we want to do but we've been given these rights to speak without impunity and we never speak It's time for us to talk. There are people who need hope. They're dying without it. So we go to the valley of dry bones and we speak the word of the Lord, but as we speak, we need to believe. We need to believe. Throughout this narrative, this vision from Ezekiel, there is this obedience that is born from faith. Even in verse three, he says, uh, "Son of man, can these bones live?" And his ego said, "Lord, you know, is kind of a cheat. He's like, God, you know what you can do. I, I, I mean, that that's possible. You're God. You can do anything." But then, as Ezekiel began to preach to dead bones in a valley, and as he began to preach to the four winds, so that the Spirit of God might indwell those those uh, uh, those, those bodies and make them alive he he he's he's moving from from just a uh god you are god to god i believe you can do this god you can do this it's like the 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 little engine that could you know it's in little engine that could he's he's going along and he's he's got the he's got the uh, the, the 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 willpower to start the journey and he's going and he's he's going up the hill and he's saying, i think i can i think i can i think i think i can i think i can i think i can i think i can, I think I can. I think I can, 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 I know I can, I know I can, I know I can, I know I can. Look, there is an opportunity that God has given you to be around people who are far from him so that you can be a herald of hope and help them see how that they can find life and hope through Jesus Christ as you speak. But you got to believe that there is no deep down, hardened, um, cold-hearted sinner that is too far From God's reach. There is no one so bad that God's grace can't cover it. There is no one so wicked that God's mercy will not make a difference. There is no one so far from God that Christ himself has not run and reached him. Today, we need to believe that whoever it is that God sends us to share with, they can be saved. Do you believe? Guys, listen. (sighs) Do you want to know what makes a church a place of hope? It's not a program that we run. It's not a facility that we open. What makes a church a refuge of hope is the step-by-step daily obedience and dependence of each and every member of this body upon a living God who has given them hope and a commitment of our heart to share that hope with everyone we encounter. Do you believe these bones can live? Bow your heads, please. Time for response is just going to be real simple. Now, I, w- I want you to listen. You're here today, you're a follower of Jesus, and, and you see already the places of pride in your own heart and life. The Spirit of God has pinpointed those, those points of, of, of independent spirit from God, of stiff-arming God, of being rebellious toward God, Right now, you can see it in your own life. You, you know that the Spirit of God has already convicted you of that. My challenge to you today is would you confess it and repent of it today? Some of you need to come to this altar in repentance. You need to come and and just beg. And some of you, look, I know that some of you are just undergoing such dire straits, and there's so many circumstances, and 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 it's you're not being rebellious. It's just you're 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 in that place of of. of of doubt or or despair and emotional despondency. I get that maybe, just maybe in this moment, at this time, if you would lift up your voice to the Lord, maybe joining hands and hearts with family or friends around you or coming to this altar and, and praying and having others lay their hands on you in prayer and you cry out to the Lord, oh God, give me hope. Maybe that'll turn it around for you. Maybe you're here and God is, already placed on your heart the names of individuals who are far from God and they need life in Christ and and you are the herald of hope for them maybe you just need to sit and pray and ask God to give you the courage the confidence the boldness to go to the valley of dry bones and speak the word of the Lord maybe it's just inviting them to to worship with us at Easter I mean that that that's just so easy just start something maybe you just need to pray for that person so spirit of God I pray that you would absolutely overwhelm us in this place right now in a way that leads us to a deeper level of obedience to you call us to yourself plant hope in our hearts and make us heralds of hope for you